Hello everyone, welcome once again to A Reason for Hope. We're very glad that you're joining us this evening. A Reason for Hope is an hour-long live broadcast which is guided along by your questions on the Bible. We're live on various platforms online. You can send your questions in through the chat functions associated with those live videos. And I will be there receiving your questions. And then I will throw them out here to our wonderful guests who love the Lord and love the Word and love to answer your questions with what the Bible um, says. That's what we're all about. So a question or maybe a verse of, of Scripture or a passage of Scripture that you'd like just explained a bit more, maybe Christianity in general, the Bible in general, what's it all about? Um, life issues, maybe something you're going through and uh, would like a biblical perspective, what God thinks about lifestyles and things like that. Maybe even other religions as they uh, compare to the Bible. Anything along those lines, as long as it's an honest question and as long as you know that the Bible is where we find the answers on this show. We want to give you God's word and God's truth as accurately as we possibly can with his help. That's what we're all about here. My name's Dave Robson and I'm your host today. Like I say, fielding those questions as they come in with us today on this uh, Tuesday here as we're live is, there you are right there, Bo, <laughs> Bo, Bo Willett. He is the assistant pastor here at Calvary Christian Fellowship where we are broadcasting from. Good to have you with us. Yeah, it's awesome. Tuesday. Tuesday. Tuesday's my day. Tuesday's Bo's day. Yes. Yeah, it's good to have you. Thank you yeah. for Thank you for the time. Yeah, I know you're very awesome. busy. You're here, there, and everywhere, as many of us are. So thank you for spending this hour with us. Yeah. With us as well, Pastor Sean Richards, as you know very well by now. How are you doing today? Okay. We've uh, had a long weekend with the latest of our student ministry lock-in. So that's if right. I sound crusty, I think it's just fatigue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's skipping. And as you get older too, huh, Bo? Remember what those lock-ins were like? Yeah, they, I try, just, they're, they were awesome. <laughs> Through therapy, I've managed to block a lot of those out. <laughs> it's like, I think everybody needs to, when you get into ministry, you got to start it, you know, get in children's yep. ministry and then get to that youth ministry so you can do a couple lock-ins, stay up all night, see how yep. it goes. That's right. Get your feet wet oh, and all that man. stuff. Oh, <laughs> man. Wow. Yeah. It's very true. And uh, we have uh, a wonderful secretary and uh, kind of an administrative assistant here at CCF who uh, is uh, older than me uh, by a good <laughs> <Careful>. 10 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she, uh, she does these lock-ins too. And I, I just, man, tons of props yeah. to, uh, to her for hanging in there and going all night yep. with uh, a bunch of youth. Mm. You know, that's probably quite a challenge. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you too, Sean. Thank you for doing that. I know my, yes. kids, my kids were there. Appreciate you ministering to them, but... Teaching on evangelism. Yes, you guys. Oh, yeah, very good. And you guys don't sleep either. You stay awake all night long having fun. So, so yeah, I'm sure that's catching up with you. Well, <laughs> we're, glad you're, we're glad you're here. I can say as you get older, skip a night's sleep. That really does uh, does catch up with you. But, well, thank you both for being here and answering people's questions. Uh, as I mentioned, the reason for hope is a live broadcast. We're with you Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. That's here in Tucson. Arizona, where we're broadcasting from. It's a ministry and outreach of Calvary Christian Fellowship. So you can go to our website to check us out there, calvarychristianfellowship.com. If you're in the Tucson area looking for somewhere to fellowship, you're more than welcome to come and, and check us out. We're right by Prince and I-10 on the west side of the, uh, the freeway right there. Um, so again, if you're looking for somewhere to go to church, then please come and check us out. Or you can look at our website, like I said, calvarychristianfellowship.com. We have a bunch of uh, events going on um, as well as our services bible studies and support groups and all kinds of good stuff so take a look around and make yourself familiar with that but for the purposes of tonight if you follow that watch live tab that's right there that will take you to our live page 
The direct link you can type into your address bar if you'd rather do that, ccftucson.online.church. That will take you to the same place as the link from our website. And uh, when we're offline, you'll see a schedule of upcoming events and you'll see a countdown to our next show. But as we are live right now, you'll see the video playing there. You can sign in with a username. And then there's a chat function. You can send your question in and I'll be receiving those as we go along. We're on Facebook as well, Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson or facebook.com slash CCF Tucson. Uh, again, find the live video there and put your question right there in the chat box and um, I will be right there with you as well. Uh, don't forget to, to like and share while you're on Facebook. We'd appreciate that to grow the ministry here. We have an app for your mobile device as well. Again, look for Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson. If you look for that red background with the white Calvary Chapel Dove logo, you can download that on your iPhone or your Android or your iPad or those kind of things and watch us on your mobile device. And we have a channel on Roku and Apple TV. So go to your channel store and add Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson as one of your channels. And then you can watch us on your big screen. Just don't look too closely because we're getting old. Um, we're on YouTube as well, of course, live there as we speak. A Reason for Hope is the name of the channel. It's a great place for archive shows as well. If you miss one or you want to recap one of the questions, use it as a study tool or something like that. If you go to that live tab, anytime we've been live, it will automatically archive right there for you. Um, so check that out on YouTube, A Reason for Hope. And don't forget again to, to like and subscribe. We'd appreciate that and click on the notification bell. Then you'll get a little prompt whenever we are live. Our senior pastor here, Scott Richards, who's not with us today. He's with us uh, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Yep. Is that right? Yeah, at the moment. Sometimes the schedule changes, but uh, he's on Twitter. Uh, you can follow him, Scott R4H. Scott, letter R, number four, letter H on Twitter. He posts all kinds of stuff, especially um, he often gives an update here on the show when he's here of things going on in, uh, in the Middle East and um, around the world as it pertains to end times and prophecy and those kind of things, which is, man, really uh, interesting and fascinating and would be scary if uh, we didn't know that uh, we have a Lord that's in control of all those things, but gives us uh, certainly food for prayer. Um, so he posts things along those lines, news articles, and also some funnies and shenanigans and those kind of things. So anyway, Scott R4H on Twitter, if you're on Twitter yourself. We're on the Rumble platform as well, Reason for Hope Bible Q&A. Oops, what happened? Double tap. If you're on Rumble, we, we're not live there, but we post uh, videos there, A Reason for Hope Bible Q&A on Rumble. And then we have an email address, of course, questionsforhope at gmail.com. That's questionsforhope, all lowercase spelled out with letters at gmail.com. You're welcome to send us your questions there as well. Uh, especially if you're listening to us on the radio, Reach Radio or one of the radio affiliates, welcome, drive safe and all that good stuff. You're actually listening to the last show we did pre-recorded, so keep that email address in mind, questionsforhope at gmail.com, and we'll get to that question on our next show, Lord willing. So however you found us, however you're joining us, we're very glad you're there. Send your questions in on the Bible, send them in early, and we'll try and parcel out the time for the questions today, and we're very glad that you're joining us and giving us our content. Well. All that being said, let's pause to pray. We like to do that, of course. We want the Lord to speak through his word. So maybe, Bo, would you like to, yep. to pray for us today? Absolutely. That'd let's be pray. great, yeah. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity we have to uh, minister to you ultimately, Lord. Um, and we know that it's your work in us, through us. And we pray that we would surrender our lives uh, to you during this uh, show and that our words would be grace seasoned with salt. You'd help us to not only speak truth, but to uh, speak truth at the right times in the right way, mm. with the right heart, the right motivation. Uh, so, Lord, may you do your work in and through us. We thank you that you're the great counselor. 
uh, and uh, that you have everything uh, that we need. Lord, we are complete in you, as the scriptures say, in Jesus' name, mm. amen. Amen, amen. That's an interesting point, Bo, that you pray to not only speak truth, but speak truth in love. Yeah. Because <laughs> people, we can use the word as a, as a blunt instrument. You know, there's not always the, there are right times to share certain things, you know, that's an interesting concept. Yeah, and I think one of the things you kind of learn in Calvary Chapel circles is, is um, you know, kind of maybe a philosophy of ministry too, and that is, it's not just about, you know, truth. The truth is, of course, uh, of utter importance, and that's not what uh, we believe as Calvary Chapels is like, truth should be lower than uh, top priority. Yeah. But it's, uh, it's also having the right heart, uh, having a right motivation. Um, you know, I, you know, I always used to remember uh, in some of the writings of Pastor Chuck Smith, the founder of Calvary Chapel, that you know he would rather have someone who didn't have all of his doctrine together, mm. but had just a wonderful, pliable heart, than the person who had all this doctrinal knowledge but yet just wouldn't serve the Lord, just yeah. didn't have a heart to serve the Lord. Yeah. And um, if you've ever read um, his assistant pastor's book. Um, uh, his assistant was Pastor Romaine, yep. and he wrote a book called Second, Second yeah. and which is a phenomenal book. Yeah. And it's so great, and it's just so much Pastor Romaine in it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, that really kind of shows that kind of heart that, uh, you know, you can have everything, uh, speak all the truth in the world, but if you're not really willing to take out the broom or Right. you know take care of the things that really need to be taken care of or yeah. uh, around the facility then Romain would say ah you're lazy you know right. you're you're not really serving the lord you're just yeah. a hireling and, right right you know and uh, you want to be called a hireling yeah you know it's one of the worst things to be in the bible <laughs> right. huh yeah especially when a marine drill sergeant and veteran of guadalcanal is the one telling you <laughs> yeah. yeah and so um um, you know, the idea of hireling is, is uh, you know, Jesus talking about those that really are, are serving, but they're, they're, they're really doing it for, um, they want to serve in a particular area, or they, um, you know. They don't have the shepherd's heart for the sheep. They're yeah, just they there because they get something out of it. Right, they don't have, that's a good way of putting it. That's what Jesus yeah. was getting at, right? Or we make statements like, that's not my job. That's not my job, or I'm just, I, <laughs> I don't just think do, I've ever heard that yeah. around here, huh? <laughs> I just do this. You'd be out so quick. Yeah. <laughs> that's not my job to pick up that trash or whatever, <laughs> yeah. Like, oh. That's right. Well, so, it's not uh, your job at all now. Yeah, so that's why it's, uh, and I'm going through the book of Job right now, too, and Job is very much a book that I think would throw a lot of Christians off. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, because it's a book where Job's friends speak truth all the time. They talk about reaping and sowing principles. Right. They talk about God's righteousness. They talk about the uh, um, the judgment of God. Um, and they talk about it all in great ways, very biblical ways. You know, hey, don't you want God in your heart? Don't you want God's word in your heart? I yeah. mean, they say the greatest things, and and uh, but they're wrong. <laughs> and, and it's such mm. a... Uh, I don't know if they call that a quagmire or what, but it's, uh, you know, it's a great word to describe it. It's something that's weird, you know, Um, but it's the idea that they're not speaking, they're speaking truth, but they're not speaking it in the right context. And and that's interesting for a lot of us, you know, because a lot of times we just think if we say the truth, we're good. Right. God's word doesn't return void and, you know, that kind of thing. Plus there's also scripture to talk about how, you know god's truth is offensive you know and and 
and um just stupid to those who are perishing and right. things like that so it's like well yeah people are going to be offended by it so but even that considering all of that yeah there's still a wisdom that comes from yeah what to share when what to and share the context when to share, and yeah, yeah. To think through it yeah we need to be so we hope on the show that when we speak into your guys's lives out there that we we do it with the right heart um the motivation that we bring is to really build up the body of christ and to the listener um and it's not really to show uh some kind of uh like we have such great knowledge but it's that the word is uh you know beautiful and um and that it's a true supply to all of us. And so we hope you share with the right heart. Yeah, amen to that. Cool. Well, let's jump into questions here. Um, John, appreciate you being with us again. We had your question up as being first, and you're here again with us and have restated it, which is great. I'm glad you're here uh, for your question. Uh, John asks, he restated it. I'll just read it the way that he said it here. As a single man, who am I to invest myself in before I find a spouse? Am I to be Christ to my mom, my sister, etc.? before marriage thanks and we reworded it earlier as a single man how should i treat others in the church that's john's question today thank you for that yeah if there's anything more complicated it's people and the interactions they're in <laughs> that's uh, true. first timothy chapter five starts off with uh, i think a fair summary compass heading as far as uh, what kinds of people you run into and how to view and treat them uh, it says in verse 1, Do not rebuke an older man, but re- exhort him, build him up in knowledge, as a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with all purity. So two kinds of people. There's men and women. And, of course, there are two categories of those people, young and old. If you can find exceptions to that rule, they probably let you teach at public university, but that's another topic. So when we're talking about rebuking an older man, the idea is that there's a aura of respect there, that these people are your elders, and that because you share that common quote-unquote family as the body of Christ, the common fatherhood of God, that you see people who are over you, maybe not necessarily in position, but definitely in age, there's to be a regard there. Now, the same is to be said for mothers, and again, Bo, passing this on to you. When Scripture gives that uh, air of mothers, it's not obviously a second-class citizenship status. Uh, What do you think that Timothy, as a Jewish individual and someone who was overseeing the church of Ephesus, how would he be treating young women, or older women rather, as mothers, given a biblical context? Yeah, I think he would treat them awesome. I think he would want to treat them... (laughs) like he like he would um i i I don't know why he would want to treat him as a second class citizen put it that way there's no there's no um scripture that says to treat a a mom in a second class citizen way um it would be an honorable um uh command uh that paul gives timothy to you know uh, timothy had an incredible mom he had an incredible grandma and uh, we know that from the scriptures. So uh, there's, uh, there's no reason to think that when Paul says, hey, treat women with all, you know, you know uh, to treat them as moms, that Timothy would think, man, that's a, that's a high calling. Mm-hmm. You know, it's um, absolutely. Yeah, and then he goes on to note younger men as brothers. So with that then in mind as well, 
a brother. There's certainly a hierarchy as far as the firstborn is concerned. But the picture that we see in Scripture is at least an ideal. You look at Genesis and you note there's some complicated family relationships. But the idea is that you're equals. You're before the same father standing as his son, as brothers. So with that picture in mind of, again, this hierarchy, those who are ahead of you in the Christian life are due respect, father to mother. Those who are at your side as brothers, that's the kind of picture of us Christians speaking to each other as, oh, I love you, brother, or hey, uh, my brother in Christ, uh, what do you have to say about this? But then we get into, and this is in particular sometimes the most difficult context, when people are talking about the fair sex, whether it's women to men or men to women, how do you do so as Paul even specifies with all purity, maintaining those quote-unquote professional relationships in the body of Christ until a calling for another ministry opens a door? Yeah, um, good question. But I, I would say this is, um, you know, purity is not just uh, for young women, purity uh, to have uh, to young women in the church, but purity is to be uh, exemplified in all uh, relationships within the body of Christ. So obviously <clears throat> it's very easy for a single man to get false motivations or a single woman for that matter, especially in our world today. Yeah. Um, to get a false motivation for church. For instance, like a lot of people go, like I, I've only been in the church, you know, 35 years, 36 years, so it's not too long. Is that old? But, um, but as long as I've been in the church, um, there's, a, you know, I, I remember a, a time where, uh, and it still happens today, where people, you know, they want to be in a church where, you know, this is how a lot of like 20s and 30s are. They go, man, I really want to be in a church where there's a lot of 20s and 30s in it, you know, and, uh, you know, I just, because, man, it's like, I want to find a mate and, you know, these kind of things. I want to find someone to be with. And, um, and, and, and I can understand that to a point, I guess. Um, but um, we have to be careful of motivation there. Mm -hmm. And we have to be very careful uh, that we're not going to church and primarily we're looking for someone to be with instead of really trying to be that right person in Christ. Um, yep. So instead of thinking about how can I serve the Lord's body, um, Jesus is the head of the church and it, it, we are all a part of his body and we are to serve the body each with a spiritual gift as the Lord has given us. And so that should be primary on our hearts when we attend the fellowship. Um, and so I think people's, our motivations just have to be in check of why we're attending the church. You know, if you want to, if you want to, like, uh, if you want young people to be around because you just feel comfortable around young people, well, I understand that, but that's not really a good reason. <laughs> you know, you might need to learn how to love older women as mothers. You might need to learn how to love older men as fathers. And that's what's going to help you build the character of Jesus, the Messiah, right. to be like Jesus. Um, you might need to learn how to look at younger women with purity and look at them as sisters in Christ mm -hmm. instead of looking them in a, in a lustful way. Yeah. Um, or to look at younger men in a right way. 
Um, and so, um, you know, uh, that's kind of what I'd say about that. Yeah, First Thessalonians 4, 3, and Ephesians 5 and 6 we both go into a lot of detail about the assumptions that we make about our intentions with each other, how we're to treat each other and where yeah. that line is, but also in describing the roles that a father has in a home, those roles that a son and a mother ought to have with one another. And if the mindset is that assumption of family, now maybe it came from a broken family or you didn't have the best example of what would define a family, the idea isn't to carry that baggage with you and treat people in church accordingly. The idea is to have a regard, a respect for one another that assumes because we share a common creator that that person's not only made in the image of God, but shares with me the calling of Christ, the filling of the Holy Spirit, that my intention to be there should be to have that one thing in common that we both call God Father. And if that's then in an older to younger relationship, there's respect there. If there's a younger to younger relationship, there's an equality there. And if there's a crossover, if you will, it doesn't mean that you can't acknowledge when someone's beautiful, but you're to know the line of what is due treatment in a family. Yep. You can go into Leviticus 18 if you want to know the implications of all that, but that would be the point. Yeah, yeah. You know, the Bible says that uh, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. And so um, we know that, and I'm sure John knows that too, you know. So, so a lot of yeah. times people will go, well, man, you know, I can't, I don't, I don't want to go out and find a wife. So, you know, the church and, and amen, uh, I'm all for that. You know, nothing's wrong with finding a wife at the church. You yeah. know, that's great. You know, it's just checking your motivation. It's just right. looking at really what's the intent of your heart. You know, are you going to the church to kind of, you know, you, well, God, there's, you know, I've already kind of checked out all the girls at the church and, you know, and it's not working out. So I think I'm going to go find another I'm church. church. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And you just, you're church hopping for a wife. And, um, you know, and, uh, you know, that doesn't sound like a New Testament kind of. <laughs> <laughs> no, nothing in there about that. <laughs> hey, Galatia's not working out too well. Right. Let's go over I've exhausted all the women in this <laughs> land. Know? Yeah. And, you know, that kind of thing. Um, exactly. And the best thing to do is, uh, you know, go to a church that you love, that you love the teaching, you love the leadership. Um, and, uh, and just start serving in the church and serving in the body and, you know, just be a contagious Christian, someone who loves the Lord yeah. and loves Jesus. And, uh, you know, people people get attracted to that and they go, man, that guy loves the Lord, right. and, you know, and that kind of thing. And uh, just l work on being like Christ, yeah. you know, and um, and I, I think, you'll, you know, people will, you know, be attracted to that. And, right. then, you know, you can pray about, hey, let me pray for my sister. And uh, and just develop a friendship and a prayer for for a, a, a lady, and um, and uh, then you know see where that goes. But um, you know, trying to keep those emotions in check, you mm -hmm. know, yeah, especially single single man, you know, single person, you know, it's um, you know it can be tough. It's I'm tough. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I love uh, something I've been you know trying to take more and more seriously is seeking first the kingdom. Yeah, you know, and everything else would be added to you and yeah. really trusting God in that you know seek him first and let him add and that's the the fear is that I don't want to miss out on something you know that's I want to be proactive in finding a wife or whatever it is yes. you know like but but the truth is seek God like and like you were saying just serve Christ and yeah and, um, and let God bring those things or yeah know. if you write if you put on a piece of paper of things you fear 
and you find one of them comes up loneliness you know of being alone my whole life um, then you know that that's going to be one of the big motivators for why you do what you do yeah um, and that's going to be something you're going to need to bring before the Lord daily mm-hmm. because uh, our fears usually run our life um, a lot of us don't know that uh, we think we're running out of faith we think we're moving in faith but yeah. really it's out of fear yeah you know really there's an inner fear that's moving us to do things yeah and um and so um so a lot of families like for instance they might go hey i want to put my kid in christian school and um it might sound like a faithful adventure you know um but in their heart they just might very much be afraid right you know, just very fearful of things with their children. Yeah. And so the decision's not really one out of faith, but it's very much mixed with a ton of fear. Yeah. And, um, you know, we really want to exercise faith and, mm-hmm. and uh, really push aside that fear and deal with that fear before the Lord. Yeah. And I know for me, that's very difficult. Um, I have to put it on paper. Mm-hmm. I have to see what, that, what those things I'm afraid of. Yeah. And then I could bring that piece of paper before the Lord yeah. and kind of lay it out and go, man, God, this is where my heart's at, yeah. you know, and this is where I really need you to deal with. Yeah. Um, so um, I think what you're talking about, you know, waiting on the Lord, mm-hmm. um, putting the kingdom first, um, you know, just bringing that fear before the Lord and saying, hey, man, this is this is the biggie. Yeah. And this is uh, this is a big motivator in my life. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's hard to discern. I mean, the heart's deceitful and wicked, and that's right. it's hard to discern. Yeah. I mean, that's a good, like you say, a good exercise to write things down. Yeah. Because sometimes you really got to sift through before you're like, wow, I didn't even know yeah. I was being motivated yeah. this way. Yeah, and think of it this way. You know, King David said, search me, O Lord, see if there be any wicked way in right. me, right? Yeah. And a lot of times when we think of searching, you know, God, you know, search me, O Lord, a lot of times we think like, you know, sometimes it's very ethereal. You know, it's kind of like in the air, like, what does that really mean? You know, it's like I'm praying and search me, O Lord. But when you when you say search me, O Lord, and you start writing and you go, hey, what do I fear? Where's my what am I discontent about? Mm -hmm. Whatever you're discontent about, that's going to be one of the the big motivators. What are you resentful of? What are you angry about? You know, those kind of things. Whatever you put down is going to be kind of what's moving you. Yeah. And um, yeah. And so then you start looking at that piece of paper and you go wow you know search me oh lord and you now you see it yeah and you go gosh lord i really need you know to lay my life before you yeah and remember if i have jesus i do have everything yeah and that i am complete in christ wow. colossians two ten tells us that right um you know so mm. then i can start kind of looking at women in the church for john not not as you know oh i you know not as something that's gonna meet the need the need Mm -hmm. of him you know but he's already filled Mm -hmm. by christ and so he's coming at those relationships in the church not from this empty bucket that he's trying to get filled by this person right um because that person's never going to fill it yeah it doesn't go well it's yeah it's not going to go well so instead just Instead of coming with a full bucket already, it's it's great to say, hey, you know what? I don't need this. Yeah. You know, I don't need the relationship. I got Jesus, yeah. you know, and, and that's probably when you're at the really good spot yeah. to get in the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, 
I am fearful that we're going to run out of time for the other questions, so that's going to move me on to the next question. That was a joke there because we're yeah. talking about it. But John, thank you. Great question. Thank you for that. Uh, question from Rich. Uh, how do we answer Christians who are questioning God's goodness or existence after the Maui wildfires? Uh, faithful believers have literally lost everything and are in uh, shock. And I mean, interestingly, this show was born out of 911 um, years ago to over 20 years ago. I know Pastor Scott went on the radio with Robert Farrow to answer people's questions because people were asking, where is where is God in this? How can these planes fly into the towers? And that's how this show was birthed. So, um, yeah, so great question there from, from Rich. How yeah, uh, important clarification there. Believers mm -hmm. are questioning these things. Now, that's important, too, because usually when people bring up what's called the problem of pain, or in this case, the problem of natural evil, specifically, that things just go wrong in this world, or the speculation is that evil things have been done to stage this, whichever it may be, people look at evil in a world that they for whatever reason, assume isn't supposed to include these things. And we would call that an echo of Eden. But the people who usually bring these things up, these kind of objections up, are atheists because they would use it as an argument against the existence of God. And like we've discussed before, it ends up shooting themselves in the foot. Mm -hmm. But when a believer brings these things up, what they're essentially being put through is, like you said, Bo, uh, going through the book of Job, a uh, very sobering experience and reminder that we're not given a lot of promises in this world. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, it's easy for us in a somewhat uh, refrigerated, air-conditioned room uh, here, literally in a half an ocean away, to be able to observe and to talk down people who, as you said, Rich, have literally lost everything. But when it comes to these situations, like we talked about before, every emotion has an appropriate reaction. And the emotion of themselves aren't wrong until they start introducing false doctrine. So how do we keep these things in check? First of all, when you are grieving, that needs to be met with comfort. When you are afraid, that needs to be met with truth. And when you are joyful, that needs to be also met with truth. We don't want to get so wrapped up in the things that we recognize as good or the things that we recognize as bad and take us so far into them that we end up losing sight of the one that either they come from or, in the case of tragedy, the only hope that we have in the midst of them. Now, when it comes to this situation, if the question is, does God exist? Where was God when these things happened? Well, first of all, the answer that should be given to people on both sides of the aisle, believer or non-believer, is that they aren't owed anything by mm -hmm. God as far as this, you know, healthy, wealthy, prosperous, and safe existence in a world that's literally under the sway of the wicked one, yeah. we're told in Scripture. That is the not-so loving response to someone who maybe is right. just expressing anger. And anger being met with truth isn't always going to work. Anger needs someone's priorities to be realigned because usually when someone's angry, they had a goal, it wasn't met or it was taken away from them, and now they're recognizing an injustice. And people who get unreasonably angry usually do so because they had unrealistic expectations. 
Oh, I went on the internet and people talked to me as if I was a moron or that I was beneath them in some way. Well, what did you expect? There's an R of anonymity and the very odd people there, of which we're one. But the second thing to do, and this is especially important, is to remember we don't serve a God who distanced himself from our pain, but voluntarily became a part of it. In a situation like those who were suffering the wildfires in Lahaina, imagine what it was like as far as the loss of those people who've seen their homes literally going up in flames and the creator of the universe leaving heavenly glory to for all intents and purposes slum it out in human flesh for a very protracted and a very difficult period of time where he's now permanently altered his nature god the son specifically in order to establish a relationship with us it's not only important to note that God's become a part of our pain, but can relate to our pain in more ways than we give him credit for. So when seeking him for comfort in prayer, that point of emphasis needs to be understood, that he not only knows what we're going through, but voluntarily, unlike most of us when it comes to hardship in life, experienced all of it in his own way. Hmm. Now, when people are saying, well, he didn't go through this specifically, we're talking categories here. Uh, I haven't been tempted to turn a rock to bread, but I have been tempted to use my spiritual gifts for my own gratification. Note the category. I haven't been nailed to a cross and left to suffocate for three hours while the wrath of God was poured out on me, but I did, ex or I have and will experience times in life where I'm going to have to pursue God even when it hurts, even when it puts me in a place of darkness, separation, and mockery. So the point being made is this, categorically understand that God understands. Emotionally understand proper answers, Rich, whether it's you in providing comfort to those who are grieving or answering those questions yourselves. Know how you ought to answer each one. For fear, it needs perspective. For anger, it needs perspective. For grief, it needs comfort. Mm. For joy, it needs truth. But all of these things will have their place in time. Just make sure that they're centered on the Word of God, because as far as the promises that we can hold God to, again, a prosperous life isn't one of them, necessarily. But we are promised what in Scripture? Hebrews 13, 5 is the most direct one. I'll never leave you and forsake you. Where, as we read in the Sermon on the Mount, moth and rust, and in this case, flames, come in and destroy and mm -hmm. steal. But what isn't taken away? The things that we send ahead. So when it comes to times of loss, when it comes to times of pain, know how to handle the emotions, know how to handle perspective. But also, and this is just a brief side point as well, know that sometimes it's just okay to hurt when you're hurting. It's not as if we don't have any hope, but it still hurts. Levi Lusco, a pastor in Montana, founder of Fresh Life Church, speaking of his daughter Lenya uh, when she died of an asthma attack in his arms, I think he'd have right to say this, hurting with hope still hurts. And if that's then our acknowledgement, then we're not going to A, wrestle with our emotions when they have a place in our lives currently, especially grief, especially pain. But it's also not going to lead us so far in the opposite direction and say, I can't be feeling this way, and then those emotions end up irrationally coming out in other ways. Yeah. So keep truth in mind, keep comfort, and 
of course, perspective in their proper place. But make sure that whatever you're going through and whatever others are going through, the perspective ultimately brings you back to Jesus because oftentimes what hurts us the most, and take this opinion for what it, you will, but it's not necessarily going through pain. You just kind of have to manage it. But imagining a continual and unending circle of pain, that's what usually breaks people. Focus on what God's given you today and at this moment, opportunity to connect with people who can pray for you. Make sure that you take advantage of that resource as well. Yeah, um, who, has, who asked the Rich. question? Rich. Rich. I, I would say um, the question, too, is one that only um, makes sense in an affluent um, Christianity. Um, and this is a Christianity that is really unknown um, in, to the ancient mm. world. Um, so, Rich, what I'm saying is that the question is is one that's unknown to the disciples. It would be it would be almost unrecognizable mm. um, to um, the saints of old, mm. because Christianity is born um, through a dying Messiah. It's, uh, it's one that has been paved, um, the Messiah's path has been paved in blood, yeah. and the saints of old have been paved in blood, and, um, and the saints after Jesus have been paved in blood. Yeah. And uh, the Christianity grows through, its, through persecution mm. and trial and death. Mm. And, um, and so this is how the world became Christian. It was not through, um, in a sense, uh, we could say a bunch of affluent uh, attitudes uh, or people, that, but um, people were tripped out by, by a, a bunch of poor people that were dying you know, at the hands of lions and <laughs> crazy things yeah. going on and people being slaughtered. And, and, and that's very much like uh, the Jewish nation, that uh, over the history of Judaism, uh, the, uh, the Hebrews have laid their lives down for Yahweh mm. and have suffered uh, thousands upon thousands, if not millions upon millions of uh, deaths um, for their faith in Yahweh. Yeah. Um, and so uh, for Christians not to know trial uh, is uh, a really interesting, we live in an interesting time. Yeah, that's true. And we live in a time where uh, they, we have doctrines um, in Christianity that are called prosperity doctrines. Yeah. They're teachings that talk about um, uh, Christians are to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. Again, this would be a very, um, uh, a very, uh, a teaching that would be not very yeah. known. Just alien, it, yeah. It'd be alien to the people of old. Yeah. Um, one of the oldest books we have in our Bible is the book of Job. Mm. And this book is, is all about, is God worthy of worship in light of losing everything, even your health? Yeah. Is God a worthy object of worship? Mm. Yes or no? If, is God only worthy of worship if everything is going well, meaning in your control, the way you want it to go in your life? Yes or no? Mm. Or is God a worthy object of our worship because he alone is God? He is the right. creator of all yeah. and by rights should be worshiped as the creator. Mm. Um, and so, you know, um, we all will lose everything. 
Um, we're all going to die and everything will be stripped from all of us. Mm. You know, it's just a matter of time before it happens. And the thing is, is we always have to ask, is Jesus, um, is he really who he said he was? Is Jesus really the Messiah? Did Jesus really die to atone for the sins of the world? Did Jesus really raise from the dead? Did he really ascend into heaven? And if he really did those things, then guess what? I have to make a decision that whether he's worthy, a worthy object of worship or he's not, you know? And no matter what happens in life, and it's so, you know, I lived in Kauai um, in 93, and that uh, a hurricane hit the island and uh, flipped houses upside down. <laughs> and I was on the island with my second dad um, doing a lot of repair work. But it was tragic to see that. And I was in a very large earthquake in 1994 in January called the Northridge earthquake where I happened to be going to Cal State University Northridge. And I happened to be at the epicenter, on the epicenter of that earthquake and lost our our place and 16 people died um, right behind me in the Meadows apartments um, on Reseda. And um, so I definitely have seen my share of uh, natural disasters. Um, But it always comes back to, um, you know, if Jesus is really who he claimed to be, then he's certainly worthy uh, of our worship. Absolutely. Absolutely. Amen to that. And I love that um, in the book of Acts. It's Acts 5 where the disciples had been beaten and kicked out of the town and it's said that they left rejoicing that they were counted worthy to share in the sufferings of Christ. Yeah. Remember that verse? Yes. That verse, oh, every time I read it just blows me away that they, yeah. you could just see they were just like, whoa, we got to be just like Jesus. Yeah. They, we, we shared the truth and we were beaten and we were kicked out of this town. Yeah. Wow, we get to be like, it's like that is so, like you said, such an alien concept to... Um, to our culture you know yeah. and even in my mind like i know i know that yeah you know we get to share in the sufferings but even so i read that i'm like wow you you <laughs> dudes are just on a different plane yeah you know, like yes yeah we yeah. were counted we, worthy to share in the sufferings we sometimes forget that we live in uh, the most affluent country yeah and that probably the world has ever seen yeah. where the peasants are, are living actually amazing lives. <laughs> Us peasants are living, you know, in homes and we have cars. Right. And, you know, where, where <laughs> people in the olden days just yeah. did not, this is but not It's an normal. old car. It's an old, <laughs> <laughs> I bought a used yeah. car, you know. Yeah. yeah, but it is, it is very sad to see um, any tragedy take place and we should have compassion and want to do what we can to help. And if you do want to help, you can always check out, um, Samaritan's Purse, they always do a good job of uh, being on the ground and helping out with uh, uh, natural disasters like this. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Rich, thank you for that question. Hope that helps you out. It's a great question. Uh, Question from Mike. Uh, Evening all, I have a question about feelings. While I know feelings are not the driving force of faith, I worry about my lack of desire for spiritual things. I want to love God and enjoy the word. But I find other things always take up my time, even sinful things um, at times. Uh, am I lacking something? I'm not sure what is wrong in this area. So I get the sense of just a lack of desire for maybe the word and, and those kind of things, but a desire for other. I mean, I Who's think it we, from? Uh, Mike. Mike. I'm sure we can all relate to yeah. this. 
Is there something wrong with Mike that he doesn't <laughs> desire these? Sean's in great pondering mode. Uh, obviously, you default back to agreeing what we already know. The heart is deceitful, like you mentioned, Dave, and wicked above all things. Who could know it? So if we use our passion as a metric for our relationship with God, we're going to be spinning our wheels. Uh, might be a weird recommendation, Mike, but a good passage for you right now is the book of Haggai. It was when Israel is just coming back from captivity. Uh, Ezra and his whole uh, posse were rebuilding the temple, and that was getting itself sorted out. But Israel had kind of gotten to a state of complacency. They were comfortable uh, building up their own houses when they knew that what God wanted them to do was to build up his house. And their negligence had resulted in a bit of a trial. It said that uh, no matter how much money they gave, it always seemed to blow away. Whenever they ate, it never seemed to satisfy them. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think this is like a Pirates of the Caribbean curse kind of deal, but that dry spell, uh, yeah. dissatisfaction with everything in life, right. that, that kind of scenario of being so full of the world that you can't be happy in God, but so full of God you can't be happy in the world take what you will. But the interesting thing was Haggai's correction to them was three words, consider your ways. The metric for godly motivation isn't what we want to do, it's what we're doing. And this isn't a fake it till you make it pep talk, it's just the reminder that what you'll answer for isn't necessarily what you felt about what you did, but who you did it for. And some days it's going to be a drudgery, other days it's going to be a eager opportunity. But what's key about this, and you can finish this all in the first chapter, it's only like 15 verses, but the point of emphasis of the book was that when the Spirit of the Lord filled the leaders of the people, Zerubbabel and uh, Joshua specifically, they were leading by example of saying, you know what, we're going to do what's right. It doesn't say that they were, you know, uh, wanting to do that. They understood this was the right thing to do. The nation followed suit and that God used them within a, a four-year project to get the temple rebuilt. Uh, we know that Herod did some renovations later on, but doing what God's called you to do, falling back on, okay, I don't know what I, well, I do know what I want to do. I know what I need to be doing. So the question is, am I motivated by, again, what we're always motivated by, or am I going to follow the pattern that, at least a godly example in this case, there would be other things Haggai had to correct them about, but in this case saying, is my motivation truth? Am I going to fall back on the promises of God, fall back on the equipping of God, and let God do this work through me? Because at the end of the day, none of us want to do what's right. We want to do what yeah. we want, and rarely <laughs> do the two coincide apart from the filling of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So, again, if you're looking for a Bible verse to repeat like a you know Hindu mantra that will eliminate all desire or inspire unbridled desire, you're not going to like Christianity. But if, on the other <laughs> hand, you want to understand what the right thing is to do and to ask God for the power, the motivation, the drive to want to do the things that please Him, the things that the Holy Spirit equipped Jesus to do, the things that Jesus did by nature, the things that the Father does it has to be through him ask him for him and he'll help you be him <laughs> that's i think the best way to approach it yeah absolutely 
Anything to add to that? I, I love this question, man. This one has a lot of nuance to it. Yeah. This question. Mm -hmm. um, who who said Mike? it? Mike. Mike. Yeah, and it's about his feelings, right? Yeah. Like how to kind of get his feelings on yeah. track. You know. So there's something wrong that he doesn't feel like doing these yeah, spiritual yeah, things. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And it's, uh, it's something we can all relate to. I'm sure, if we're honest. No, and it reminds me a lot of yeah. like raising kids, actually, Mike. <laughs> you know, it's like my kids are big. By the way, I'm kind of an old guy now and um are older and my kids are no joke one's gonna be 30. oh <laughs> I mean, no so, way yeah. wow so it's like uh and that means sean's <laughs> gonna be 30 soon too yeah you know you so, say so yeah but um, it's funny we're similar age but our kids are very different yeah I started a bit later than you did but, but you know when you're raising kids a lot of times they hear a lot of the facts about the faith yeah you know but you know a lot of times they don't have the feelings that accompany the facts yeah right and um and and so how do you approach that you know some people say well you know i really maybe shouldn't even learn the facts because my feelings aren't really you know caught yeah. up to the the thing right you know don't want to be religious yeah just do it religiously religious and, and just do it yeah. so i'm just gonna uh, kind of not even go anymore right. <laughs> <laughs> i'm not even gonna go to church you know it's good advice all right moving on to <laughs> yeah. no but um you know but what we usually say to kids is no man keep going keep learning you know yeah. and uh and the thing is, you have to remember that Jesus in the book of Acts said, hey, wait, uh, he told this uh, to his disciples in verse 4 of chapter 1. Uh, when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And really, the, the, the Christianity is is really Jesus's life through you it's it's and that's sometimes a hard concept because a lot of times the way we kind of think of things just in our world is that if I get the facts then everything's great yeah you know but Christianity says yeah we get the facts um, but we need to have a spiritual work mm -hmm. actually happen uh, something spiritually has to take place yeah in my life right. um you know it says in the book of acts 2 when this lady lydia um you know when she heard the gospel and everything it says her eyes were opened mm -hmm. and you know god needs to open up the eyes he needs to open up the heart and and so mike your confession of saying i really don't have the feelings that really match all the facts that i have about the faith yeah ma makes me think that oh man what you what, what what we you could do is just bring that confession before god yeah and and just say god i need you to do a spiritual work in my life mm. i need i need a coming uponness of the holy spirit in my life yeah. you know i need a spiritual baptism to take place yeah where where God just immerses me in his holy spirit and there's a supernatural spiritual coming uponness of God that happens in your life yeah where it's something that is not you didn't muster it up you didn't do it something you sought the Lord you confessed to the Lord your need for the holy spirit and the power of the holy spirit yeah and you you desperately need that um uh that coming upon this and you know you wait for that to take place in your life yeah um because there's no mustering up you know feelings it's just very right. difficult right yeah you know it's a to muster it up and be yeah. like i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna yeah <laughs> it just becomes fake and, and that's it's good to know that we can do that 
with with God. And what a beautiful thing. I mean, if I came to you, Bo, and said, Bo, I feel like I've just been feeling like I'm just not a good friend to you. You yeah. know, like how can I be a better friend? I mean, something like that. It's it's a confession. And what a beautiful thing. I'm sure you receive that well. Like I just realized I just, you know, I, I yeah. haven't been, you know, to, to come to God with that. And I think about in the Psalms, even David said, Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Like, why are you downcast, O oh my soul? He, he, he would talk to himself and bring that honesty before the Lord. Like, what is, like, what's wrong with this? Something wrong in there. I need to bring that to the Lord in honesty. You know? Yeah. So it's good to know we can do that. Like, God sees that and knows our hearts. And so bring that to him. Yeah, bring you your know. questions yeah, to we, God. Yeah, we, we're allowed to do that. And he yeah. can help us. Like, Lord, I don't desire to read your word like I know I really should. Help me with that. Yeah, it's funny. In the book of Luke, chapter 7, Jesus has an encounter where he's, uh, if I remember, he's in a, 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 he's at a dinner party with one of the Pharisees, actually. And then he has... Sounds like a hoot. Yeah, and then he has this lady who lived a sinful life. It says in uh, Luke chapter 7 and verse 37, she comes in and she pours this uh, perfume over Jesus and Jesus goes on to say hey when when you know when and he has she has this amazing passion for him and you know you have all these people that are intellectual probably there yeah. and they all right. you know but but yet they're they're just not there feeling wise yeah but yet you have this sinner who's super emotional right you know and but not everybody's you know very emotional not everybody has these amazing feelings yeah. you know some people uh, just their temperance is not that way, yeah. you know. But Jesus says something cool. He says, "Hey, he who you know, uh, you know, um, has been forgiven much, loves much." And sometimes when we right. start confessing our sin to God and just saying, "God, I really do need that power of the Holy Spirit in my life," you know, we start developing a passion uh, because we realize just how much we've been forgiven. Yeah. And you start developing a, a bit greater passion for right. Christ. Right. Amen. Amen to that. Yeah. Great. Well, coming off the end of the show here, but let's see if we can squeeze another question at least. Uh, John's going to squeeze three in. Question from, yeah. <laughs> question from uh, Mac D. What is the point of the thousand year reign? What's that all about? The thousand year reign. God has a lot more promises left to keep to Israel, and we believe that he keeps his promises. Um, the reason why we don't say, oh, well, that'll be all lumped in with the new creation is because it specifically notes in the transition from Revelation 20 to Revelation 21, the old heaven and the old earth passed away. Mm. So the descriptions of geography and the kinds of environments, the specific details about, say, for instance, the Mount of Olives splitting, bringing new life into the Dead Sea and the tr uh, roads from geographical Egypt all the way to Assyria, modern-day Turkey, southern, western Turkey. Don't hit me. I know Assyrians are pretty passionate people. <laughs> but the idea is that is there's very specific descriptions of promises that God is going to keep to the Jewish people mm. and that those would have to happen on the earth as we know it now, which is why we take Revelation 20 chronologically as the time where these promises will be fulfilled, where the Lord will be reigning, like we read in Isaiah 11 and other places, but emphasizing that key point that his faithfulness to the Jewish people is the same reason we trust him to keep his 
promises regarding salvation now. So when it comes to the point of the thousand-year reign, that's it, the faithfulness of God. But if, on the other hand, we're going to say, can't you just say that that'll be in tandem in heaven? No, because there are specific things in the Old Testament. And unless you want to spiritualize everything, then you have to ask the question, where does it stop and why did it start? That's uh, why we would challenge those worldviews. They're not very consistent. And then there was a, another follow-up from Yari I think we have time for. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, on the uh, the poor you will have with you always, which it says in the Word, does this include those during the Millennial Kingdom? Not the point. In uh, John chapter 12, after the raising of Lazarus, the uh, incident uh, involving Mary, her l little sister, breaking another <laughs> thing of perfume at his feet, uh, the disciples, specifically Judas, because John's a snitch like that, said that she was uh, wasteful in investing this costly perfume, and Jesus made a point of contrast. The poor you have with you always, but verse says, you, uh, me, you do not have with you always. We'll have Jesus in the millennial kingdom, so that point of comparison wouldn't fit. The point Jesus was making was, if you're looking for an opportunity to give to the poor, you can have plenty of those in the future. She's investing in me and the fact that I'm going to be with her right now. That's a limited time window. It's not a doctrinal statement saying there's this perpetual status of poverty across all ages. He's talking about the fact that they are investing in him, she's investing in him, and she's not wrong for doing that. Great. Look at you go. That's it. That's the end of our show for today. Bo, thank you so much for being here on this Tuesday. Thank you for making time, Sean. Yeah, thank it was you. awesome. Yeah, thank you to you as well. Thank you for your questions. Great question. What a wild ride. Yeah, we great, know great questions. Go. We'll be back here again, same time, same place uh, tomorrow. It's Wednesday tomorrow. Yep, so we'll Pastor be Scott and Sean, right? Pastor Scott and Sean, Lord willing. And we're also, we have a service here at Calvary Christian Fellowship as well tomorrow night. So if you're in the Tucson, Arizona area, you're welcome to come along to that right by Pin Prince and I 10. It's easy for you to say. Uh, but we also go live on these same channels. We, we stream our services as well. So tomorrow night, about 30 minutes after Reason for Hope, we'll have our, um, our, our service as well. So I hope to see you at one of those events. God bless you guys. You've been listening to A Reason for Hope. Thank you again for joining us as we continue our journey through God's Word. One question of the heart at a time. Until we meet again, we would love to connect with you. You can text or email your questions to questionsforhope at gmail.com. You can also find out more about our ministry at calvarychristianfellowship.com. And be sure to join us next time on A Reason for Hope. A Reason for Hope is an outreach ministry of Calvary Christian Fellowship in Tucson, Arizona.